He is a musician, music educator, composer, and the host of the podcast, Someone You Should Know, on YouTube. Michael Metz is next on OTP. Thank you so much, Mike, for being here. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the uh, program, Mark. I appreciate that. I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm used to doing it the other way. I'm used to being (laughs) the interviewer, not the interviewee. (laughs) There you you go. Well, we're glad we've got you on the podium this time. And uh, we're we're glad that you had the the time to fit us into your schedule. Let's jump right in. And um, let me ask you, first of all, what is your... uh, your first memory of getting into music, wanting to get into music and playing. You know, I had to ask somebody about that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, you know, I don't remember a lot from my youth. And so I actually asked my mom, I was like, when do you remember I started trumpet? She said, I started trumpet before we moved out to New Mexico. When I was a kid, when we were in, uh, we lived out on Long Island. And um, when my brother took up saxophone and I was, I guess I was jealous and I wanted to play (laughs) an instrument. And of all instruments that she started me on, she started me on accordion. Oh, And I was like, accordion? Really? I played accordion? She said, (laughs) yes, you did. I said, I don't remember that. She said, good, because we tried to forget it. (laughs) I I started trumpet when I was, I think, seven. Okay. I think I was seven. And then we moved out here to New Mexico. So I would have to answer your question with is, you know, my first remembering of of playing music is out here in New Mexico. But my mom said I started it when we were in New York. So I'll have to trust her. And, (laughs) and, and I remember playing as a kid, you know, I remember playing really when I was seven, eight years old and I started playing on the trumpet and we used to have, you know, a teacher used to come into elementary school. I think we were at Chelwood all the way up there in the Heights. And we'd have a, you know, nowadays they don't do that, but we'd have a teacher come in once or twice a week, would either stay after school or, you know, go to school early in the morning and we'd have rehearsals. And and I remember my first trumpet teacher um, (laughs) who, um, I'm, why am I drawing a blank? Gosh. It'll come back. I understand. It'll come Uh, back. Yeah. You well, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. because you know him as well as I do. Um, 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 well, it'll pop, it'll pop in soon. Uh-huh. You were at Chelwood. I was at Chelwood Elementary okay. many, many, yeah. many years ago. Yeah. Many years ago, and and then I kind of we moved around, and then I ended up all the way over at at Cibola High School, and I went to school over at Cibola. Graduated from Cibola High School. What middle school did you go to? Uh, Taylor. Taylor Middle School, all the okay. way down there in the valley. It right. was quite, I remember it being quite the drive. But, yeah, I went to Taylor Middle School, okay. and and then from there I went to Cibola High School. Graduated uh, many years ago, class of 81. Yeah. You know, I want to ask, you spoke about Cibola High School, and a couple of um, interviews passed. I did an interview with John Sanks. And he talked about how he, even in high school or junior high, he knew he wanted to be a 
band director go into music. Do you have any type of memory like that, or was it later on in your life? No, no. When I was in high school, I really, really wanted to be a uh, I wanted to be a professional musician. I wanted to be a band director. I really wanted to do that. I enjoyed it. I had fun. I I enjoyed my experiences. So I thought, well, why wouldn't I want to do that? <laughs> and I that was what I went to school to be. I mean, I I went to school at Adams State, what is now university, but at the time I went to school at Adams State College, and you know, I. That was my goal to be an educator. I wanted to work my way up. I wanted to teach at the high school level. I wanted to teach at the college level. And that didn't go very well. Uh, (laughs) I I failed miserably at it. I I graduated from Adams State and I went to work in in Denver. And Uh I worked worked for the Denver Public School Systems. And I lasted two years. And I didn't get tenure. And I failed miserably at it. I was a I I love teaching kids. Don't get me wrong, right. teaching sure. kids is great. Uh, my problems was dealing with all the political garbage oh. that you had to deal with. Oh you yeah, know, all the all the administrative duties, all the administrative people. I couldn't. I just didn't do very well with that. Well, let me touch on that for a second because I think that's worth at least having a little conversation on it. I mean. You get into that, and I think everybody listening will um, have had some type of experience with with that situation. Um, and you do have to have kind of that, I don't know, what's a good way of putting it, a, a different personality, a split personality to deal with the um, all the paperwork, the um, mess that's going to go on, and then the band room stuff. And and then it, what? It just pushed you out, or, or yeah. Well, I just didn't have. It was my first job. I was twenty-one years old. Yeah. Um, I was had no experience, and I walked into a position mm. where I was an assistant band director, and I just mm-hmm. did not. I I didn't. I guess it was just young, inexperienced, sure, you know, been there, been there. not not understanding, and and when they let me go, um, they told me, you know, we weren't they weren't going to give me tenure, which was fine, but they mm-hmm. let me know July thirty first because they were a year round school district. Right. So I was like, uh, well, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I came home. Right. I, I came back to Albuquerque, you know, because I this was where I knew, <clears throat> and this is where. I was had at least I could, you know, my parents said, come home, we'll help you, we'll figure something out. Right. And yeah, and and that was when my my dad told me, my dad, who bless his soul, died earlier this year. I'm sorry. Um, Oh no, thank you. He he my my dad and I got along very well. And he told Uh me, he said, What are you gonna do now? And I said, I don't know. And he he was an air traffic controller. And he said, take the test. And yeah. I said, I don't want to be an air traffic controller, Dad. He said, Do you have anything else better to do? I said, No, because I don't have a job. Right. And I took the test. And yeah. that fall in 1987, the fall of 87, I got hired on wow. as an air traffic controller. Wow. And, and I did like that. that. I did that for 32 years. Now, um, when you, when that came about, and, and let me back up for a minute, though. Sure. You talk about coming back and 
And also, uh, you took me in the memory of when I first started teaching also and not, not having a confidence in myself, whether I was going to do a good job, yada, yada, yada. And then you come back. Did you have any feeling that, okay, I know I can play. I'm on trumpet. Should I just go full blown, you know, trumpet and playing and gigging? Or should I go a safe route? Dad saying uh, air traffic control. Did you have that kind of conflict or you just went for it? Well, I did. I had a conflict. Mm. But the, the <laughs> problem is, is, you know, at that time, back in the mid 80s, there wasn't a whole lot, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and I was when I got back, I was substitute teaching for Albuquerque Public Schools. Yeah. I was doing a lot of music substitutions because I had my degree, right. but there wasn't a whole lot of anything. And I was yeah. desperately trying to make some money. And, and you know, just to appease my dad, I took the test. Yeah. And I actually yeah. did fairly well on it. And right. I thought, well, what do I do? Do I teach? <laughs> do I, what can I do? And, yeah. and it was kind of a, it was kind of a toss up. And I finally said, you know, I, when they gave me my date that I had to show up in Oklahoma city where the school is, wow. I said, you know, what's it going to hurt? Yeah. Because right. you know, the, yeah. to be an air traffic controller, you have to pass what they call the screen. Yeah. And the screen is, is a pass fail four month class. Oh. And, and you either pass or you fail. Right. <laughs> There's no yeah. in between. There's no gray area. Right. And and I got there and I like I said I did fairly well and right. I and I graduated and I'm like, well, sure. Yeah. You know, probably, I kind of decided it for me. Sure. Say that, you know, is And is it probably paid I'm, more. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, my starting salary as an air traffic controller was almost two and a half times what my starting salary as a band director was. <laughs> oh, look. hey, I'll tell you, my my first salary down in Florida was eleven thousand five hundred and fifty eight dollars. Well, I'll never see, mine was twelve eight. <laughs> that was me. my starting salary as a band director was twelve eight. <laughs> so that tells you how much I made as an air traffic controller. There you go. <laughs> I don't, you know, oh I don't regret my career. Sure I, sure. I don't regret it in the slightest. I, yeah. you know, I, I tried to make things balance. I tried right. to, I, I tried to do everything I could. You know, I, I have a very lovely wife who is very patient with me. And, <laughs> you married and, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love my wife, Vicki, very, very much. God and bless her. and yeah. when I married her all those years ago, I told her, I said, you know, uh, well, you know, I'm an air traffic controller. And, and she said, yes. And I said, I, I want to play music. And she said, yes. And then kids came <laughs> along and then music kind of got put on the back burner. Yeah. You know, and that, that's, that's what I've, you know, the common thread of all, and probably the people you're talking to, and we're going to get into your podcast after a while, um, life gets in the way, and then we have to decide how is music going to be in that puzzle of, of life. And somewhere along the way, you talked about you had occasion to play horn. Is that correct? Or did I 
misread that. French horn? No. Yeah. No, I've always okay. been a trumpet player. No, no, no. Oh, I, okay. I had to take, I mean, I had to pass my my brass proficiency in, in college. I had to mm -hmm. pass a woodwind proficiency. I had to pass a string proficiency. Yeah. I had to pass a piano proficiency. Right. But no, I'm not I'm not a horn player. I'm strictly trumpet. Trumpet right. is global horn. And then, you know, the occasional piano when I have to, but the, I, I don't think I could get away with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're holding hands there, you and me. Both. Yeah, you know, yeah. you you have to be able to. I mean, you know as well as I do. When you get an education, music education, you have to be proficient on everything. But right. once you stop teaching, yeah, those yeah. all those little things go away. Yeah, they don't they don't hang around in the back of your brain. And you know that is a nice nice leeway into um, people that have been playing music. I, the the route that I have noticed, and again, I'm sure you've seen people that have played in high school, in junior high, high school, maybe in college, they get the degree, they parents either sell their horn, they take off, then they want to come back and try it again. And uh, talk about, you, you know, you're a music educator, talk to those people that say, you know what, I'm in my 40s or 50s now, should I should I go back? I, I have this feeling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, back in 2003, I put my horn in the closet. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I could not be a full-time working full-time as an air traffic controller yeah. and be a husband and be a father to three boys <laughs> and try to have a life. I, go I ahead and preach it. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I couldn't do it. And I put the horn away and you know, when I brought it back out in 2018, I was you know, 15 years of having the horn in the closet. Right. And I said, I can do this. Yeah. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because, right. you know, you just have to be able to understand you're, when you pick up that horn again, it's not going to be like when you put it away. Right. You know, yeah. when, before I put that horn away, I mean, I was playing full time. I had my own jazz group. Right. I was sitting in with all these places. I was working. I was a musician full time and right. an air traffic controller full time. And then, like I said, life got in the way. Yeah. And, and when I decided to pull that horn out in 2018, I sat down and I had a long conversation with my wife and I said, look, I'm retiring in two years. Yeah. I want to be able to, to play. And she said, that's fine. I will support you in that. And then I sat down and I looked at kind of where I'm at and what I was going to go for. And I said, right. I can do this. Right. And then I just came up with a plan and I tried not to push myself too far. And I, I will tell everybody, if you haven't played for all those years, pull the horn out or go yeah. buy a horn. Right. You know, there's a, um, there's a YouTube, not a YouTube, there's a, um, a Facebook um, page called uh, Trump. Oh, I'll pull it up here because I, I will mess it up. I <laughs> but it's a Facebook group. Um, hang on, hang on. Okay. It's Tips okay. for Trumpeters 50 and Beyond. Oh, cool. And it, and it talks to all these people who um, have, who have put the horns away. Right. And want to come back. Right. And, and everybody gives each other, you know, good ideas and they give each other. Um, here's where to start. Here's what to do. Now, I can't speak from a woodwind point of view, but I know from right. a brass player's point of view, if yeah. you don't take care, if you don't 
build the lips slowly, you're right. going to rip those muscles to shreds. And, and yeah. so you have to go slow. And that's, you know, I kind of took tips from them and I kind of went back through and looked through all my all my materials that I still had. And right. I said, how can I do this? And I just went slow and and surely slowly, but surely I brought back all the strength that I had before. Yeah, that's that's a. I wrote a little note here as you were talking. You know, I, I I'm on the woodwind side, I play sax, and so when you come back as a brass player, uh, we have the luxury of having a reed. Now that's a whole nother topic in itself. But as we've talked to our own students before, you your your body part is the part that vibrates <laughs> yep. that is the reed this is yeah. the reed right and if you you know if you blow out the a lip. reed <laughs> yeah if you blow out a reed you can throw a reed away and you can put <laughs> on a new reed if yeah. you blow out with your lips you've got problems yeah and so you know anybody all, all i can just tell from a from a brass perspective you just got to go slow and easy I played long tones, I did lip slurs, I did strength exercises. And when I was ready to get back into the world of things back in early 2020, mm -hmm. you know, of course, we were in the middle of a just about to start a pandemic, yeah. you know, but <laughs> I realized I had the strength and I was ready to go, right. you know, so it just the, the biggest key to getting back to a brass instrument is don't go too fast. Don't go too. If fast. you go too fast, then yeah. you're going to have issues. If take you your time. go, if yeah, take your time. Go slow. Don't expect to be where you were 20 or 30 years ago when when you were playing. Take that time. Take some lessons. Right. Work with somebody. You know, and and that's what made the difference for me. It, it helped out a lot. And also talk a little bit of, I'm going to play a clip of yours. It's just a nice leeway into that clip. But before we do that, um, talk about a little bit about range. Um, Cause you know, again, I can't talk to that. Uh, we do manage and I don't want to, I don't want to put it out there that read players don't have to worry about their lip and the strength and building up. But when you're dealing with brass, you know, and you're trying to get a, a C above the staff and, and beyond, building up that those those chops again. Talk about that on your range. Well, you know, time, patience. Yeah. You know, one of one of the guys, one of the musicians that that and it, and it sounds kind of funny because I want to make sure I get every. I want to make sure I get the information mm -hmm. correct mm -hmm. because when. When I was, when I first started, when I was a long, wait, I got to go back. <laughs> Let me re-step this here. Okay. okay. So when, when I was playing back in the early, um, in the 80s and the 90s, huh. I started taking um, correspondence courses with a trumpet player um, by the name of Bill Nevitt. And, and now this is long before the internet was very, very popular right. before we could do all of this, like you and I are doing. Right, right. And, and so Bill would, Bill, I would send Bill a cassette uh, of lesson plans that he had me record for him. Okay. And he would sit there and he would, and I'll, 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 I'll get to the reason why I'm bringing this up. Sure. And then he would, he would, he would record some notes 
and he would send it back to me with new exercises to record. So we did a correspondence thing for about two years. Okay. So when I was getting back into things, I went back to his books and yeah. Bill Nevitt has some really good books on range building. Right. And so he's long since no longer with us. He's long since dead. But yeah. Bill's stuff was still valid today. And yeah. so working through those exercises, I was able to build my range up. Now, do I have a, a, a double G? Do I have a triple C? <laughs> yeah. No, I have a good working range. I like, yeah. I can play high. Yeah. I am no lead trumpet player, sure. unlike some of my peers. Huh. But you know, I'd rather sit on the second chair anyway in a big bed to play all the solos, which is besides the point. So to build range, I used Bill Nevitt's books. There you go. Bill Nevitt, had, all of his books are available at qpress.ca uh -huh. in Canada. Uh -huh. And Q Press has, I, I bought all of his books, the ones that I didn't already have. And uh -huh. I went through them slowly but surely. And they're boring. But I tell you what, they sure helped my range. And I still go through them today. Absolutely. I still take them and <clears throat> he he has you play these exercises mm -hmm. for like a week at a time. Right. And, and it just builds strength and it builds these muscles here. Right. And then I had the honor of taking some lessons from Bobby Shue. Oh, God, um, yeah. And his yeah. his methods helped me breathe a little better. He right. helped, you know, helped me understand how my breathing process is. And right. by this, supporting this made yeah. all the difference in the world. All Absolutely. The you made me think of uh, the book I've been uh, attached to all my life, the Universal Method book for saxophone. And so that's, you know, yeah. what I've went back to. Uh, let me lead into a clip. I'm going to play this and then uh, we'll listen for a while. I'll bring it down and you can talk over it a little bit. Tell us about it. That is that is nice. Oh, Tell us you. a little bit about that. So so that song is Carbon Bebop, mm -hmm. um, and I rec that that is recorded from like the mid nineteen nineties. That's a back. long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's with some people that uh, I had I was playing with at the time. I had my own jazz ensemble. Okay. And I spent some money and I said, let's go into the studio and let's do some recording. And we recorded about, um, about 10 tracks. Oh. And that one, that one is one of the ones that I actually, people would ask us to play that when we were at gigs. They'd ask us to play that. <laughs> I, I don't, it's not a very hard song. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, I like, I mean, the, the people that are playing on that, uh, Robbie Wilkerson is on saxophone. Robbie is from New Mexico. He now lives and works in New York. He's actually the lead alto player for um, Michael Buble's band. Oh, um, okay. So he's playing alto on that. Uh, Arnold Bomber, Ar Arnold Bodmer is wow. playing keyboards. Craig McClelland, who just recently moved back, is playing bass. Andrew Squire is on drums. Um, 
Is that all of us? Who's playing yeah. bass drums? Yeah, that should be all of us. <laughs> and, and we just went in the studio and we were just trying, I was just trying to get some of these songs down sure. and, and get them recorded. And, and, you know, I have about five originals up on my YouTube page that people right. can listen to, including this one, a uh -huh. couple of other ones, agnostic beliefs and, and, and a few of my other ones uh, are up there. And, cool. and I just, it was, it was so weird to hear those. I didn't even know I had them. <laughs> and then I happened to find an old CD and right. I was like, well, what's in this? And I dropped it in the record in, in the machine. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. even know I still had these. <laughs> And I figured I'll just put them up on YouTube. Right. Why right. not? Yeah, yeah. And that, that leads us into just your relationship with your music. You know, you talked about your wonderful wife. And I equate kind of like the relationship we have with our loved ones and to music. And for those listeners that are listening and um, possibly going to go back into playing Talk about how you try to connect your music to the audience and into the listener. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's, I don't think I uh, sent you that question. <laughs> no, but that's okay. It's an interesting question because see, when I was, when I was playing back in the eighties and nineties on a regular basis, I was a very selfish musician. I really was. I was a very selfish musician. It was about, it was about me. Um, it was about, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I was, I was very, I, I was very selfish. I was very jealous of my peers. I was wanting, you know, I wanted to do things that, that weren't possible. Was and, it the competition? Was it a competition? Uh, yeah, it was, it was just, I wasn't worried too much about the audience. I was worried about, <laughs> about the things that were happening on stage. Uh, and, and then I learned that you have to connect to the audience mm -hmm. for things to happen better on stage. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So, so as I got, as I started coming back into music and I started doing more music now since, you know, 2019, 2020, right. I've learned that the audience you are playing for an audience. And, and if you start doing stuff that's that's above your audience's level of enjoyment, then you, you lose your audience. Right. So now when I am performing, I want I'm having more fun because I know the audience is enjoying what I'm doing. Right. And and I think that's what has my attitude has changed from yeah. the 80s and the 90s to now yeah. is that I want to play because I want to I'm enjoying myself because what I'm putting out there people are enjoying yeah. so what you give to it is what you get you out of it does yeah. that make sense absolutely and you know as you were talking about that I had a a, a little bit of off different experience in I'm talking back in college. I don't have the extensive playing performing that you do, but when I was in the jazz band, I felt self-conscious of when I was taking a solo and worried about 
what they out there was thinking, what were they thinking about my playing? And it wasn't until, I don't know if I should say this on air, that I had a, a couple of black Russians drinks that, <laughs> it get, that sort of let me go, you know. <laughs> but, but then as you get older, it becomes a relationship, uh, like a thread to, to the uh, audience and the listener and, and you as you're playing, you know. Right. It does. It, it really does. And, and I have learned to try to connect yeah. with the audience. And I notice that like when I go to jam sessions and I'm playing, I used to have to close my eyes when I played and I would be like intently listening to what's going on around me, which <laughs> I still do. Right. But now my eyes are open and I'm looking out into the audience and I'm looking, yeah. what's, are they enjoying it? Yeah. If they're not enjoying it, I better change what I play. <laughs> you know, if I start to go out for some reason, you know, if I right. start to really start to take it out of the chord structure yeah. and all of a sudden I'm starting to lose my audience, I'll make sure I bring it back <laughs> in, yeah. you know, there you and go. there are times I don't see my audience but yeah. I, I am trying to, I, I enjoy my playing so much more now than right. I ever have in the past. Right. And, and, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what the, I don't know what the difference is now, right. except that I try to smile more. I try <laughs> to enjoy my music more. Sure. I try to play. I try to play in a way that people enjoy listening to what right. I play. And if I see them bopping their heads and I see them enjoying, or I get the occasional, yeah, wow, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. I, it, it goes back out it, through me back to the audience. Right. I, I'm not sure if I answered your question. or No, not, no. But... You know what? It's, and, and I love it, what you're saying, <clears throat> because it's a conversation like you and I are having right now. You know, mm -hmm. what you're saying, I'm hearing, I'm reacting, we're being human. And the, the difference is when you're playing is that we're not using, you know, the words, the lyrics as instrumentalists. And so right. I totally get what you're, you're, you're saying there. Right. And, uh, and, and it's not, it's no different than when I'm playing in a big band or I'm playing right. with a jam session or a solo group, or if I'm playing in, in the Albuquerque concert band, right. or even when I'm playing with the Philharmonic, right. you know, the Albuquerque Philharmonic. I am trying to smile more. I'm trying <laughs> to enjoy what I'm doing because right. you know what? That's what I'm supposed, if I'm enjoying it, I know somebody else is going to enjoy listening to it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that to me makes a big difference. Well, you sort of nailed the, uh, my last question of um, talking to those listeners that may want to pick up their horn again, take it as slow get into a, uh, a private teacher. You also have a wonderful uh, YouTube channel uh, going. Uh, plug that for us. Tell us what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also interview musicians. Um, right. All my stuff is on YouTube, and you can always do a search. You go onto YouTube, and you can look up Michael Metz. Uh, you could also do a search for someone you should know. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I first, you know, when I started it back in, in September of 21, I was trying to do more of a musician, you know, here's from a trumpet player's point of view. And, and I kind of picked up on the idea that there were so many musicians in New Mexico right. that aren't known. 
Um, People don't know who these are. And there's a lot of musicians that live here that people don't realize live here. Recording artists, national recording artists. I mean, people like Doug Lawrence, people like Christine Fawson, people like Adolfo Acosta, who is by the trumpet player for Tower of Power. There are all these guys that live here that I thought, well, do people really even know that they're here? (laughs) And so that's why I aptly named it someone you should know. And I interview musicians that are from New Mexico. So, you know, you could just, if you go onto YouTube and you search for Michael Metz, you'll see my big stupid (laughs) picture up there. It'll come up right away. And, And then you can type on there and there's, like I said, I've got, I've got, um, all the stuff that I was doing, uh, from the 90s. I've got my recordings up there. I have my interview series up there. I also, I did, during the pandemic, I did a lot of um, collaboration efforts Uh where people would, would send us a bass recording of something. I mean, everything from Strauss to originals to Christmas music, you name it. And so I also did about 30, uh, 30, maybe 40 of those. And so those are all on my webpage too. And so you can always visit the webpage and, and please like, and subscribe. But (laughs) (laughs) I always say that please like, and subscribe. I don't have a lot of followers, but I do have a lot of people that enjoy the, 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 the interviews and record and like the stuff that I've put up there. And so whether or not I'm not looking to get, um, yeah. any money out of it right. i'm doing it just because i like doing it and right. i like to talk to some of these musicians um you know i think i mentioned it before we started i've got doug lawrence coming up right. doug lawrence lives here still lives here graduated from mm-hmm. Highland high school and still lives here in albuquerque even though he travels all over the world with the count basie orchestra right. so yeah. Yeah, you know, those are the kind of people that i'm interviewing so yeah. yes please besides visiting yours they should come uh-huh. and visit mine too there you go. I, well, I, mean, I need to go back a step. Uh-huh. I need to mention two instructors of mine who I don't know why I had. I have no idea. <laughs> My first trumpet teacher, by the way, was Ron Lipka. Don't ask oh, me why man. I forgot his name. I cannot tell you. I was so embarrassed man. when I realized, yeah. oh, it's Ron. And, My first trumpet teacher yeah. all those years ago was Ron Lipka. There you go. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> Right. God so bless. I wanted to make sure I mentioned him. And Absolutely. then my set, my trumpet teacher through high school was Jeff Piper. Oh, and people yeah, may Jeff not know Piper. who Jeff Piper is, but Jeff, Jeff Piper has been around forever. Absolutely. And he was the, tr- he was the trumpet. T- I interviewed him on my channel. He was the trumpet instructor for at UNM for decades. Absolutely. And I just want, I was like, don't ask me why I forgot Rod's name. I am so embarrassed yeah. about it. No, I, we have been there. We uh, went over to play. Now this, this show will drop um, later in 23. And we just went over to, uh, sing Christmas songs to Ron and he's still rehabbing. So our yeah. love and, and uh, uh, prayers are with him for sure. Yeah. So well, if you can get him on your show, I suggest you do because I've been trying for the last, well, yeah. I haven't tried at all when he was ill, when he broke his right. hip and everything. Yeah. But leading up to that, I had tried for six months to get him on my show. Yeah. He's one of the first persons I contacted and right. I couldn't get him to do it. So hopefully <laughs> you'll get him on the show because someone needs to yeah. talk to him. I did get him on a previous podcast I did with Albuquerque Public Schools 
okay. um, fine arts, uh, the APS open book podcast. And he, uh, we did a two hour. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it went a little <laughs> bit long. That's but, okay. Uh, he's, he's got so many great stories. God, he, he does. has so many great stories. And I am uh, so looking yeah. forward to going back over there and playing duets with him. So, which was besides the point, I didn't mean to get off topic. Anyway, <laughs> no. what was your question? You said you no. had one more question. Well, you know, that was right on. We needed to get that taken care of. And so talk to, uh, let's close off with, talk to the listeners. Anything you would, you want to put out there for, for listeners that really, and that want to come back, um, have the anxiety. I may be older in my life. I, I'm I'm thinking about a friend of mine that's, um, that I've spoken to recently, he took out his trumpet. Not too sure. What do you think? What do you tell these people? Don't give up. Just, yeah. just do it, really. And it's, you know, the hard part is, is you're talking two different worlds. Yeah. So you've got the people who make their life, their livelihood from being a musician. Right. And there are plenty of those guys out there. I know Dr. Sure. John Marciando. I know Bryn. Yeah. I know Leaf. I know Addison. I know all these guys who make a living from playing their horn. Right. And you know what? They're really, really good and they deserve what they do. However, yeah. those of us who are what we call comeback musicians or <laughs> second career musicians like right. me, like yourself, like yeah. a lot of people who are out there, you do it because you want to. Yeah. There, there's no stress. There's nothing that's going to stop you. You get involved with a band. You get involved with any group, Albuquerque yeah. concert band or the yeah. Philharmonic or any other group that's out there. You right. get involved and you play. Yeah. And who are you making music for? Right. You're making music for yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to make people smile. So so what I tell people who, who are like on this Facebook page that I'm part of, don't worry about trying so hard that you get frustrated. Right. Go slow. Yeah. Play what you want to play. I don't care if you pull it out once a year and play Christmas tunes. Right. Play <laughs> what you want to play and do it at your pace. There's no rush. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to play in front of an audience. Just play. Preach it. Uh, if you're playing in your living room and you just play for your own heart and your own soul. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of stuff. You can you can find recorded stuff out there. So, right. like, I love to play jazz. Right. And, and we both probably grew up with the Jamie Abersall stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, put on the record and right. it plays 3,000 choruses of the same thing. <laughs> They've refined that to a point where you can you can get these digital recordings of solo work where right. you could play along with a full rhythm section. Right. And you play the head, you play a couple of choruses, and you come out. You right. have recorded music. This brass quintet stuff, music minus one. So it's mu it's you've got a French horn a trombone, a tuba, and two trumpets. And you've got the trumpet on one on one track and the trumpet two on the second track. Right. So you can play brass quintet stuff minus all of that. I mean, what right. more can you ask for? No one yeah. says you have to go out and record. Right. No one says you have to play in front of an audience. Right. Pick up your horn and play. The technology is out there that allows you to play right. without having to go right. and 
be a musician in front of an audience. Right. So the anxiety part is is gone. Yeah. Just relive your moments when you were in high school or when you were in college when you were playing and have fun. Sure. That's all I want to do. You yeah. know, we had a I had an instance the other day where I kind of had a um a reflective moment when I was walking my dog and, and I was like, why aren't I getting some of these gigs? Right. Well, I'm competing with people who are making a living for it. Sure. I get that. But the other thing is, is I'm thankful for what I do have. Right. I play with a lot of groups. Heck, I played with Roadrunner Brass. I played right. with the Albuquerque Philharmonic. I play with yeah. the concert band. I play in the jazz workshop, big band. Okay. I play with, I play in pit orchestras. I do all this stuff. Why am I worried about what other people are playing? Am I having fun? Yes. Right. Then I'm doing what I what wanted to do. I'm accomplishing my goal. I'm having fun. That's and it. that to me is, is, is the whole purpose of me doing this is there I just want to have fun and I want to play. Hey, thanks for bringing the fun to us this morning. Your Absolutely. energy, we can hear it in your voice and the love for music, man. And God bless you. And again, my condolences for your dad, and uh, and keep listening to your your wife. <laughs> <laughs> if she doesn't kill me first, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we really appreciate it. Uh, we want to thank the listeners to the podcast so much uh, taking the time uh, out of your day. Michael Metz here in New Mexico, he wants you to go out and have fun. We want you to go out and play and play all the right notes. You've been listening to The Podium. If you would like to be a guest on The Podium, email the show at onthepodium2 at gmail.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M-T-O-O at gmail.com.